2: To the Exxon, everyone. Uh, Witchy Woman by the Great Eagles. And if you're listening to us around the world on the Exxon Broadcast Network, iHeartRadio, or any of our affiliates, this is the show where people dare to believe and dare to be heard, Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern. And my guest this hour is Ivo Dominguez Jr. Now, Ivo is a visionary and a practitioner of a variety of esoteric disciplines. Uh, he has been active in Wicca and the pagan community since 1978. He was a founding manor, man, member. mender. Ooh. He, let's try this one again. Mouth went one way, brain went the other. He was a, find, a founding member and a past high priest of the Keepers of the Holy Chalice, the first coven of the Assembly of the Sacred Wheel, a Wiccan tradition. He currently serves as one of the elders of the Assembly of the Sacred Wheel, a Wiccan a uh, tradition that draws inspiration from astrology, Kabbalah, and the Western magical tradition, and the folk regions of Europe. His techniques and insights are rooted in the synthesis of traditional metaphysical techniques and teachings, modern science, and memories from past lives. He has taught at many gatherings, conferences, and venues across the United States and abroad. He is also a professional astrologer and has been offering consultations and readings since 1988. His website is Ivo That's uh, I'm sorry, that's com. That's I V O D O M I N G U E Z J R And Ivo, welcome to the X
0: Well, hello. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing very well. Thanks very much for joining us. And uh, what was it that that put you onto your Wiccan path.
0: Well, I was one of those kids that actually was a seeker for all religions, and I was raised Catholic, but Mm -hmm. I ended up very early deciding that wasn't for me, and I went to other churches, went to a synagogue, tried to find a mosque. There wasn't one where I lived, and did a lot of reading in philosophy and other religions trying to find the place that was mine. And what I found was that... uh, Wicca, paganism, and frankly, all the magical religions were closer to my heart. For one, I loved being outdoors in nature. I was one of those kids that was outside from sunrise until sunset when my parents expected me home. Sure. But I was also um, very sensitive to the feeling of uh, life when I was out in the forest, uh, had many experiences with the dead when I was young, and spirits in general. So, The idea of a religion that did not include a direct connection to the more mystical or preternatural things in life uh, didn't work, and I had the good fortune of meeting some Wiccans when I was uh, still in high school um, and uh, actually became involved in in Wicca uh, late uh, late in high school, early in college.
2: As you and I were discussing before we came to air, um, I have always... Enjoyed having member of the pagan community and the Wiccan community here on the show because I know for a fact that some of the most wonderful people in the world who work so hard to make this world a better place to live, both as a member of society and ecologically, are Wiccans and pagans. And I say, and I've said this many times, and I'll say it again with you here on the show, Wiccans and witchcraft and paganism has had a bum rap throughout history at the hands of organized religion.
0: Yeah, I, I think I, I think that there's a general principle, mm-hmm. and that is that the the victors and the conquerors always write history, and they
2: usually lie about it.
0: Well, they they always uh, reframe, uh, rewrite, mm-hmm. uh, co-opt. Uh, so. And this is ju- just generally true any place on the planet where there are human beings and where there are enough of us to,
2: to create civilization. All right, stand by please. You and I have to take yep. our first break. Haivo Dominguez Jr. is our special guest, Exonation, and we'll both be back talking about witchcraft and paganism on the other side of this break, so don't go away.
3: Raven hair and ruby lips.
2: Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365.
3: And, in the moonlight.
2: and welcome back to the X-Zone. Ivo Dominguez Jr. is our special name. I've been calling him Ivo. It's Evo, And uh, Evo, welcome back. Uh, why do you think the popularity of Wicca and paganism is starting to come back in the numbers that are being seen around the world?
0: Um, I actually think it has to do with uh, access to information, whether that's media Mm -hmm. or the Internet or the availability of uh, more books on the topic. When people have access to information, they're likely to find what's right for them. And one of the things that – and it's perhaps a generational shift as well – Wicca, Hmm. paganism, all the various flavors of of, of, uh, magical religions are very personal in the sense that even though there are many myths and many books and many writings, each person ultimately has their own uh, direct connection to their experience of nature and divinity. And though there are guidelines, it's not the same as uh, the religions of the book, where there's a book that is the be-all end-all. So there's a lot more latitude for personal exploration and for the creation of your own way. And I think that a lot of people, you know, th- there was a trend where people were saying, oh, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. Well, it's not a big jump from, oh, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, to, oh, I'm actually spiritual and I do magic and I, and, and I have a direct connection to the universe. So for people that are looking to do that,
3: mm-hmm.
0: it, it's a natural direction. But but it's not for everyone. Uh, I think that uh, faith, religion, spiritualities uh, are, are like a, are like diets. There's no such thing as the perfect diet for anyone. Uh, it's a question of finding what works for you.
2: Would you say that Hollywood has been partially to blame for the negativity that mm-hmm. uh, witchcraft and Wicca and paganism has received over the recent years?
0: Well, you know, uh, half and half. Okay. I mean, on the one hand, uh, pretty much. Uh, the vast majority of, uh, of blockbuster Hollywood movies mm-hmm. that have an occult theme to them tend to be basically uh, propaganda for a very narrow evangelical view on, on evil and demons and and whatnot. And that gets wrapped up with anything that is in our way is the wrong way. So that's certainly true. On the other hand, one could argue that things like uh, practical magic, or a couple of TV series have also, you know, even though quite watered down and not accurate about many things, uh, there have been sort of positive representations. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think you're I think you're right in saying that the majority of them are filled with fear, which is which is not really at the core of what we do.
2: How old were you when you first had your experience with the dead?
0: Oh golly, I think I was uh, six, seven years old.
2: How did yeah? What was it like? <clears throat>
0: Um, I had, uh, a, I I had some, someone, um, show up in my bedroom and, uh, it was pretty clear to me that they were, they were not among the living because they were sort of fuzzily there and fuzzily not. And I I had the good fortune of having one of my grandmothers be fairly open about these sorts of things. She'd had her own experience. She said, well, yes, these things happen. Um, pay attention, and as long as you're not afraid, you don't have to worry, but don't tell your mom and dad and and don't tell your other grandmom because she was aware that uh, they would not uh, be very comfortable with it. Um, Probably equally important, I think I had, um, I think by the time I was 10 or 12, there were several times that I had encountered things uh, in the woods that uh, in retrospect, a few years later, I, I looked back and said, yep, that was encounters with nature spirits. That was the, the spirit of, the, of that forest, or that was the spirit of that river. So <clears throat> good news, bad news was that I always um, found myself hearing, smelling, seeing things, and uh, were it not for the fact that I was, you know, bright and articulate mm-hmm. and had some self-control. I have no doubt if I was growing up as in the current environment, I would have been you know, medicated and hauled off to a variety of of, of counselors. But hey, I was I was an honor roll student. I got good grades, and as long as I I uh, kept quiet, it was okay.
2: Now you call yourself a witch. What does that mean to you?
0: <clears throat> you know, and I'll make a distinction because you don't have to be a Wiccan to be a witch. which covers a broad range of mm-hmm. things. But what I'll say is, a witch is someone that works directly with the spirits of nature the powers of the elements, works with the the changing of the energetic tides with the turning of the seasons or the phases of the moon, and applies that energy to do stuff, whether that is personal development or healing, or uh, most of my friends are are, are quite amazed at how how early in the year I get my vegetables to come on, and I'm picking summer squash before anybody else, and they go, is that witchcraft? And I said, yes, I sing to all my seedlings when I plant them. I send energy into the garden. So mm-hmm. uh, a witch uses their innate natural connection to the flow of life well, to accomplish things. What isn't
2: isn't witchcraft or, or, or witches uh, the the use of herbs and and other natural That's elements true. the the precursor to the modern day big pharma industry.
0: That too, though I would argue uh, that it's not just witches. I I think they used to. Well, how about this? Once okay. upon a time, uh, all your ans- everybody who's listening. Once upon a time, your ancestors were all pagans, right? Of any particular flavor, and that meant using prayers and songs. That meant using the the herbs, uh, the uh, <clears throat> the the oils, anything that they could grow or find, for the purposes of health, healing, or uh, you know, Im- improvement of mood, uh, lifting, lifting of heavy spirits after, after uh, her, her tragedy. Everyone used these things uh, in some regards, uh, and I, I'm not saying that it's the same as, because mm-hmm. it's not. But if you look at any of the existing relatively intact indigenous or tribal people on the planet today, whether they be on this continent or other continents, many of the things that they considered natural and normal part of life would probably be relegated into the category of witchcraft by some in the West.
2: Well, anyone who celebrates Christmas on December the twenty fifth is following well, basically a pagan holiday.
0: Well, indeed, which yeah. is which is which is why Jehovah's Witnesses don't celebrate any of the <laughs> of the holidays because they're they're clear on where they came from. Right. Even even down to the three wise men being you know the three wizards.
2: Yeah, the, you know it's it's a matter of marketing.
0: Well, and and, and here's the part that that uh, is important to consider. Um, there is not really a need for uh, competition mm-hmm. uh, between different ways of looking at divinity. Ultimately, um, if somebody is interested in, in, in going to uh, the local uh, Baptist church, because that's where their heart is happiest, that's where they should be. If somebody is interested in spending time uh, sitting under the moonlight and, uh, and singing to the moon, and celebrating uh, the, the turning of the seasons, then that's where they should be. If somebody, exactly. You know, you know it, it really is a question of when, whenever people are closest to their to their heart's calling, then everybody behaves better, and the world is a happier place.
2: You know, we're in the month of October, and you and I were speaking briefly about Halloween before we went to air.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, as, as a practicing witch, how do you mm-hmm. take all the commercialism of, of Halloween?
0: You know, I, I have to take it a couple of different ways. On the one hand, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, and I said it a couple of times to you that uh, this is usually the time of year that uh, local newscasts uh, and uh, phone uh, interviews sh- pop up from the yeah. local media because they want to talk to a witch about Halloween and they ignore us the rest of the year because they think this is the only holiday we celebrate. On the one hand, uh, I, I'm not happy about that. Or the fact that uh, people have primarily an association of Halloween being a kind of a cheesy uh, "let's eat too much candy" kind of holiday, when it's really a cele- celebration of the ancestors and our contact with with uh, the circle of life that continues. Mm-hmm. But you know what? If uh, the if if if, uh, if I was to be fair about it, there, there is such a thing as all publicity is good publicity. So I will say that if uh, if the only thing that uh, you can find, if you are trying to find your way to uh, a pagan path of some sort or, or witchcraft of some sort, is uh, watching I don't know practical magic and listening to uh, Stevie Nicks sing Rhiannon or or the Eagle sing Witchy Woman uh, or all these if, if if that's if the commercialized stuff is how you begin to find your way to where you want to be. Then I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge that that was a valid pathway to get there.
2: All journeys start with one footstep.
0: Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
2: Um, can you tell us the difference between psychic work, spiritual work, and magic?
0: Yeah, psychic work is something that is literally just using the extended senses that I believe all humans have to pick up on what's happening somewhere else, or a flash of the future, mm-hmm. or whether or not something is good or bad for you. So it's, it's, it's really an extension of the physical senses and the energy senses. Whereas magic is, is, is when you combine a knowledge of how things relate to each other energetically with your psychic capabilities – to kind of like bring those two together so think of think of magic as being the the technology of applying psychism in a a fuller and more complete way because we all raise energy we and also we all raise energy healing energy uh energy to uh to draw things to us to push things away so so it becomes a combination of things and and i think with with um the idea of religion uh Religion is the thing that connects people together. So when people are working together mm-hmm. uh, for a particular spiritual lens, whether, and if you're, if you're a witch, you're using both your, you're using psychism and magic and the, the sense of us being a community to work together. You, you also do the same kind of working together in other faiths that don't use magic, but, but the bottom line is religion is always a group effort, whereas psychism and magic can be an individual effort as well.
2: Maybe it's time to get rid of all the labels and just call it one thing. You know, your your own yeah. the, the journey to your own heart, <laughs> yeah. or something like that. Too many labels;
0: they get in the way. They do. Uh, they they do get in the way. Um, yeah.
2: Can you tell us something about the change of astrological ages and what this means?
0: You know, one thing that, uh, and this is a belief, so take it with a grain of salt. Okay. If. If, uh, if you buy into astrology, and obviously I do, mm-hmm. and uh, you, you buy into the idea of uh, different seasons have different qualities and different energies, of this is the t- right time to plant, this is the right time to harvest, etc., etc. Which, which they do. Which they do. Think of it as the, the astrological ages are basically you take, you take the uh, uh, small year and expand it out to a great year, and, and in that great year that's about 22,000 years long— Each of the astrological ages is like the equivalent of one of our months. Mm -hmm. So when we move from one age to another, um, the age of of, uh, Pisces, which was leaving, and now we're moving into the age of Aquarius, it's like a change of season. And what is favored and what is harder to do changes in the same ways when you move from from winter to spring or summer to fall.
2: Michael, I'm sorry, Ivo, please stand by. We're going to come back on the other side of this news break. Evo Dominguez Jr. is our guest this hour. Exonation. www.evodominguezjr.com. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We'll be back on the other side of this news break talking about witchcraft, magic, and much more here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada.
1: XZBN.net
2: welcome back. Evo Dominguez Jr. is our special guest. And um, Evo, how does astrology work, and what does that mean about our universe?
0: Hmm. So, I like to think that astrology is a elegant proof of the existence of divine forces or an organizing principle in the universe. How so? Uh, well, when I, my first encounter with astrology was friends that believed and friends that had studied so i undertook my own study i got a astrological calendar that listed each of the different things occurring in the heavens aspects between planets and said that for a year i will follow and, and see okay this is what it says the energies of the day are and see if they actually end up being indicative of things that occur and I found uh, after the first uh, two months of doing that, yes, indeed, it was lining up with uh, with great accuracy. And I said to myself, well, how can this be? Um, and then I said, if indeed the large things in the universe, the, the above is like the below, the small things in the universe, then by looking at the patterns uh, that the planets and stars make over the millennia, humans have figured out this is an indicator of the following kinds of energy or kinds of influence mm-hmm. that will be impacting us. It's so not to say that the planets themselves in a mechanistic way, gravity or, elect- or electromagnetism or other things are the cause of all these things, but rather in the same way that we can tell by the shapes of certain clouds in the heavens that the following weather is likely to occur, by looking at what... Is going on in the heavens, we can make pretty good guesses about which direction things are going to go for in individual lives or in the lives of nations. Uh, you know, before the break, I was talking about the change of the ages. You know, basically, the change of the ages, like the change of seasons, is always very turbulent. So the first couple hundred years of any change of ages is filled with culture changing, uh, map redesigning, uh, religions. Bring up and die down so that if you were born uh, during this time period and for your your entire life and probably the entire life of your kids and grandkids Mm -hmm. are all going to be in the tumult of this change from one kind of, of world to another. That's what happens at the change of the ages. But astrology is a science as much as it is an art of observation and recording and it's based on what has worked in the past.
2: Well, what is the history of astrology?
0: Oh, golly, that's about 4,000, 5,000 years worth of history. Wow. Um, and, 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 and in truth, uh, it goes back further, but I'll say 4,000, 5,000 years is how long we've been using the idea of uh, 12 signs and the beginnings of the ideas of houses and aspects between planets came later, but it's, just, it's literally 4,000 years of a science of observing when the following things have been seen in the heavens, the mm-hmm. following things have occurred in the world. And by keeping track of that, and there are literally uh, thousands of astrologers that uh, when something new is discovered in the heavens, a new planet, a new asteroid, you know, argue for literally decades at conferences until they figure out what this new thing means by plugging it into the charts of people that uh, have died in the past or are currently known figures and see, well, okay, now that we have that piece of the puzzle, we know Mm -hmm. one more detail. And does it fit? And this is how we determine what it means.
2: But what happens in the case of uh, recent uh, astronomy when they took the planet Pluto out of the now, out of the mix?
0: It means nothing for, from the point of view of an astrologer. But I, but but if there is a cute astrology mm-hmm. thing. At every, there's a every two years the, the astronomers get together and basically hash it out on an international level. At the conference where Pluto was demoted, yeah. there was also an asteroid that was named officially for the first time. It had just had a code number after, up to that point. And that asteroid that was named is Eris, who was the Greek goddess of discord, strife, and chaos. At that conference, the people that were Pluto uh, demoters uh, waited until most of the people had left, but they barely still had a quorum. And then they did a fast one and voted to demote uh, Pluto. So the whole keynote of that conference, where they named the asteroid that is who's the goddess of strife and chaos, was that it was filled with all sorts of backroom deals and backstabbing and manipulation. So, interestingly enough, the astrology uh, when a planet is named or an asteroid is named, Mm -hmm. it usually leaves a big mark on the world, and it did at the conference where they demoted Pluto. All right. Now, change what it means.
2: A lot of people are talking about. Planet X, the planet Niburu.
0: Yes, yes.
2: What is your take on that?
0: I don't think is there. Neither I do either think way. that there are a ton of uh, planets that mm-hmm. are beyond our current range of, of knowledge. We haven't we haven't spotted them yet. We just discovered uh, a planet that's about 10 times the size of the Earth, passed out the Kuiper belt. So I, I think we're going to discover that there are... Dozens of other planets uh, in large, distant orbits from the Earth. Uh, I can I can pretty much guarantee that when time comes, astronomers and astrologers won't name it Nibir- Nibiru, but it will. But uh, it will uh, perhaps meet some of the criteria for the people that are Niburu partisans.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I don't. I've never taken into any seriousness, the planet X, and then it's on the other side of the of the sun, no. and you know, of the Anunnaki and everything else that goes along. There, with well, it.
3: There's, there's
0: an easy way to prove that, and it, it falls in the same category of if you know just a little bit of orbital mechanics and mm-hmm. just a little bit about uh, gravity wells and and uh, how that would impact on every other planet in the solar system. It's yeah. pretty easy to rule that out.
2: Yeah, but just but you see, Evo, you're talking. Like a very sensible person, you're not a conspiracy theorist when it comes to Planet X. So I, I'm very happy to, to hear you say that.
0: No, no, I, I do believe that there's much that we have yet to discover. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be foolish to say anything else. Uh, science is always uh, overturning itself uh, every few decades or centuries.
2: Then you had the people on December the 21st, 2012, who really believed the world was going to come to an end.
0: Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and and you know what? I think partly that's uh, the fault of our culture,
3: mm-hmm.
0: because we we embedded deeply, at least in the West, and, and by that I mean all places where uh, Abrahamic religions uh, are predominant, there's the idea of time having a beginning and an end. So there's, there's a, this idea of we move through time in a line, and that there's an end point where there is an apocalypse, or... Uh, an ascension or fill in the blank for what that is. Right. If if none of the none of the people that were actually seriously into the Mesoamerican uh, mystery religions thought that way because hello their calendar was shaped like a circle and no exactly. reason it's a circle.
2: Exactly. We went down and did a couple of uh specials from uh from the Mayan area and uh, one of the Mayan princes laughed he said you know it's yeah. just like you guys you know you've got a calendar 12 months you put it up on the
1: mm-hmm. you put
2: it up on the fridge The first of january you take it down december 31st he said
0: welcome to our world it's but a new only, start yeah i mean the only part the only part that was uh valid from my perspective mm-hmm. is the idea that we are going through a major change and uh whether it's uh, go, uh, the ending of a uh, a calendar year or the ending of a large a long cycle yeah. or the ending of one age or another, we're in the midst of a lot of change and that marks a boundary, but in and of itself it's no more than crossing a threshold.
2: In paganism, how do how is the creation story? For example, in the book of Genesis that was you know <laughs> written by Moses, you've yeah, got yeah. seven days, seven nights, blah blah blah, and the rest of it. What is the story of creation in paganism? All of them. All of them.
0: All of them. I mean, uh, it most. And, and I'm going to say I'm speaking in bell-shaped curves because pagans don't have absolute authority. E- each of us, uh, even if we're part of a tradition, right. we have freedom of, freedom of perspective. So um, I, I'll speak for myself. I believe in the Big Bang. I also believe in the story of, of uh, the star goddess Myria, who, who was all at once, everything in, in time and space, and grew lonely. And out of the mirror of space created a reflection of herself and seeing herself, became aware of the value and beauty and differentiation, and then decided to make herself all the stars in the heavens and all the planets and give a part of herself as a spark to each of us to make us live. Um, you know, I, I also I also believe uh, the, the, this, the various, uh, and there are like eight or nine major ones of the Egyptian creation stories, the bottom line is that every single myth, every single story that we can tell, and frankly even telling the story of the Big Bang is a story because I don't understand the math and I suspect a lot of physicists don't either, is an attempt to convey something that is ineffable and huge with something as limited and small as human words and phrases. So by knowing and and attending to as many of these stories as possible, I may get some glimpse of what it really was.
2: Okay. Now, in Paganism, do they also talk about the, uh, the Great Flood?
0: Several. <laughs> perhaps the oldest being Atlantis, or perhaps mm-hmm. before that move. I mean, I think, uh, so do you, know, do you know about Doggerland?
2: No, you please, please share it.
0: Okay. So if you look at the land that's uh, between uh, the British Isles and uh, France and Spain, uh, not that long ago, that was all above ground. Uh, was all that was all dry land, and there and there were communities and people and towns, and and uh, there there are still stone circles that can, that uh, divers can find. And uh, you know, the sea's rose, and and all of that land, which is actually more land than all of the British Isles and all of France together, went under the sea. Fascinating. Uh, but there, there, there. Once upon a time, that which was the the, the uh, Mediterranean was all dry land, and where the uh, Gibraltar and Africa meet was still one long, you know, bit of stone. And the day came that uh, the stone broke through, and the Atlantic uh, flooded the the fertile plains that used to be the, the Mediterranean, and filled it. And our ancient ancestors uh, remember it, though they were though they were not human yet at that point. So, where do, so, think, so story, huh? where, where
2: do you think Atlantis lies? Where do you think
0: Atlantis lies? I'm not really sure. I honestly don't know. But um, the story of the drowned lands is everywhere. And it's because it actually happened more than once, whether that right. be by tidal wave or mm-hmm. sea level changes or cataclysmic landslides that change landscapes. So, that, so it probably is an A thing but it is many things in the same way that the stories that we have about King Arthur and Camelot are probably multiple stories combined together into one story exactly um, all, the, all the different stories that we have of the sunken places is mm-hmm. probably the combination of the remembrance of all these places there's uh, off the coast of Spain, there are uh, giant uh, uh, remnants of sea docks and, uh, and and large stone anchors in a par- in the part that is the southern part of Spain that faces the Atlantic, where there's evidence that there used to be really sophisticated c- cities there much earlier than there should be. Was that Atlantis? No, but I bet you they were the, the, uh, the colony cities that were built on the same model, using the same architecture as Atlantis, wherever Atlantis was.
2: Evo, please stand by. We've got to take our final break. Exxon Nation, sure. a fascinating conversation with Evo Dominguez, Jr., His website is www.evodominguezjr.com. And uh, we'll be back as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Four zero one zero zero eight zero to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. It's a marvelous night for a moon dance with the
3: stars up above in your eyes A fantabulous night to make romance Neat the cover of October skies You know the leaves on the trees are falling to the sound of the breezes that blow you know I'm trying to please to the calling of your heartstrings that play soft and low You know the night Magic seemed
2: to whisper, hey, Evo Dominguez Jr. You is, is our son. special guest, Exonation, ww.evo dominguez and that's I V-O-D-O-M-I-N-G-U-E-Z-J-R dot com. First of all, uh, Evo, thanks very much for being with us. And uh, I understand that you've written a book about psychic development. How did this come about?
0: Yeah, um, Keys to Perception, A Practical Guide to Psychic Development. As a part of the training I do with uh, students that are involved in, in Wicca or Wicca mm-hmm. paganism or, frankly, astrology, a n- number of things, over the years I've again and again uh, been teaching classes in developing psychic perception, refining it, controlling it, um, for people that have it way too far open, ways to manage it and Bring it down so that it's not uh, a detriment to their lives. So I decided to wrap them all into a book instead of simply relying upon uh, just the handful of people here and there that I would catch at workshops. Because I think that opening and refining the psychic senses are beneficial for anyone, regardless of their religion, spiritual path. And uh, it's a practical thing that's useful in day-to-day life in addition to spiritual matters.
2: Do you believe that everyone can develop their own psychic powers, or their own—I own, I shouldn't call it powers—their own psychic ability?
0: I do, and I do, but I will put a, a reasonable caveat on it. Okay. Um, everyone can learn to cook well enough to please themselves and make meals that they enjoy. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to open a restaurant. Uh, I believe almost, and this is something that's faded in our culture, mm-hmm. and, and I wish it, get, it gets resolved soon. Everyone can sing, at least well enough to uh, sing a hymn or in church or a chant in in, in a ritual circle, and it's just a question of becoming comfortable with and using what you have to your best of your ability. Just because you're not going to be world-class doesn't mean you shouldn't develop it, and I think there's a kind of a tyranny of excellence that prevents people from doing what they can do because it's not going to be perfect. So yes, everyone can develop it.
2: In your opinion, are past lives real?
0: Yes. Uh, it's it's a little bit more complicated than most people would, would uh, present because time's a slippery uh, mm-hmm. thing and not exactly linear once we step outside of the uh, mortal coil outside of the body. But I have memories that uh, I find to be useful and quite potent and real in my life. Mm-hmm. I do think, though, that in any given life, you only remember the lifetimes that are relevant to the work that you're doing this life. and. Frankly, if you didn't forget most of it, you wouldn't have the opportunity to learn new lessons here and now.
2: I understand you're involved with the new Alexine, Al- Alexandrian Library project. Can you tell us about yeah. that?
0: So we've we've built uh, a concrete dome that is got about four thousand, a little over four thousand square feet of storage space. So on about thirty acres of land, it's all paid for, and we are in the process of collecting books, uh, literature, tape recordings, photographs, artwork, anything and everything that is from the mystical and spiritual part of any faith system, not just paganism. Mm -hmm. Because we think it's important to preserve those things and also the archival material of people's letters and, and program books from conferences and whatnot. Because those things are not necessarily preserved by mainstream libraries. And even those colleges and universities that have chosen to have special collections Of occult or spiritual material of this sort, unless you happen to have academic credentials, it's really hard for people to get access to those materials. And it's our intention to make the materials available to anybody who's a serious student, whether or not they are formally involved Mm -hmm. in academia.
2: But what about the National uh, Library of Congress?
0: Does not have most of the stuff. As a a, for example, um, no. I mean, they will have anything that has been. published by a mainstream publisher, Mm -hmm. sure, but there are countless small presses where a lot of the material that uh, in some regards is more important or more relevant to these needs um, never saw the light of day of a mainstream publisher, and the small presses don't necessarily end up getting preserved by anyone. Or the in-house newsletters that were mimeographed or Xeroxed back in the day or, or printed more, more, more currently that are not preserved um, in, and are not being digitized. Uh, they're moldering in a lot of places. So, uh, and, and aside from the national libraries, mm-hmm. like the ones you spoke of, most libraries have a policy of uh, if something drops below a certain level of distribution of circulation, that's why libraries are always selling old books for cheap. Really? To make, room, to make rooms on the shelves. Unbelievable. Whereas Whereas uh, it's our intention to keep one of everything forever, even if it's not considered important today, because it may have some meaning to somebody 20, 30, 40 years from now that's trying to discover when did this idea first develop Mm -hmm. or or what were the differences of opinion that people had. And lo, and behold, here they are in the letters to the editor of of this small pagan magazine that uh, has been out of uh, production for decades.
2: You've written a book on creating sacred space. Do you always need to have a formal creation of sacred space before doing spiritual or magical work?
0: Use the right tool for the right purpose. Um, uh, I I think it's valuable to take the moment to create sacred space Mm -hmm. because it helps to focus and center your own energy. Partly it's for protection in some cases, but honestly... Uh, it's It's more about reaffirming your understanding of of every place being sacred and creating uh, a proper container for the energy, depending upon the working. Think of it like this. Uh, you've probably been in concert halls where the acoustics are perfect so that everyone sounds better. Yes a good cre- a, a good casting, a good creation of sacred space basically improves the energy acoustics of where you are working to make make what you're about to attempt sound better, work better.
2: What's the difference between a white witch and a black witch?
0: Well, those, those are really old terms. Mm-hmm. And, and nowadays, uh, the, there's, there's all sorts of uh, racially uh, uh, meaningful discussion about the use of those terms. But, but honestly, in, in, in the old days, white witch was the term that people would use so they wouldn't get themselves in trouble. Basically, it was the code for saying, really, I'm one of the good guys, I'm not going to hex you, I'm not going to curse you, right. I'm not going to you know, make, make your cow's milk go sour. So it was really a way of in- indicating that you, that you worked with a positive perspective. Though I will say that one of the earliest teachings I was given was that uh, it, you, you can't cure unless you can curse.
2: There's no yin without a yang.
0: Yeah, well, if you're you're trying to help somebody uh, get rid of uh, an infection, you're killing something.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Um, What is your understanding of the nature of spirits, gods, goddesses, and, and so on?
3: I
0: actually think, and this is just my opinion, my belief, that... They, that Ultimately, it is all the same thing, but just at different orders and scale. For example, if we were talking about living things, yeah. if we looked at a, 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 a microbe in the soil that makes that soil more fertile, mm-hmm. it's a very simple cell, but yet you would recognize that's a living thing. If you look at a human being, if you look at uh, an orca, you would say that's a living being, but of a different level of complexity and order of, of magnitude. Yes. Yes. I think that all that, I, that all spirits are uh, fi- filled with the same stuff, whatever that spirit stuff is, whatever that essence is, For, and it ranges from things that are spirits as simple as a one-celled organism and spirits that are as vast and as complicated as the star goddess that uh, I spoke of earlier. So I think that there's a full continuum, a full ecology of spirit from the very smallest to the, to, to the most complex and the most vast. And we're somewhere in the middle.
2: Evo, what are your final thoughts for the listening audience of the Exxon Nation tonight?
0: Whatever it is that you believe in, always allow for there to be more that you're going to discover. And allow yourself to be wrong and change your opinion about it. I've changed my opinions about many things over the years. Mm -hmm. As long as that's possible, then you're still spiritually evolving.
2: And where can our listeners buy your books?
0: Uh, Good news is I've got mainstream publishers, which means Barnes & Noble, local bookstores, Amazon if you need to. I always recommend to buy local first. Definitely. But if there isn't a local independent shop, then then the the change stores and online Places will should have pretty much all my books available.
2: One final question for you, Evo. The difference in colors that are used in ceremonies, do they have significance? The colors yeah, of they candles, do.
0: yeah. Yeah, they do. Um, so human beings, uh, very few people have perfect pitch. Like if I said, uh, you know, hey, sing, a, sing a A-flat, you probably couldn't do it.
3: <laughs> You're right.
0: So, but if I had a tuning fork that was A-flat and I hit it, and you listen to it, you'd be able to probably make that A-flat sound. You're right. The use of colors in candles, in altar cloths, in whatever, is so that when you are focused on it, it is helping you to get into the right frequency range of the kind of energy you're trying to use for that particular working. So that all the smells and bells and colors are really um, like tuning forks and, uh, and uh, cheat sheets so that you can actually... Juggle all the things and move your energy into
2: the right place. Evo, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. A great pleasure, and I look forward to the next time you and I meet back here in the Exxon. Until then, take care on. of yourself. Thank you. Nation, Evo Dominguez Jr. has been our guest this hour. We've been talking about witches, paganism, and much more. com. I'll be back on the other side of the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the XO from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. seem to whisper and hush In all the
3: summer light seems to shine In your blush Can I just have one more more dance with you My love